When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Bowles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And got a special uh, <laughs> right after our podcast, podcast, uh, got Tom Loy from 24-7 Sports, Irish Illustrated on, to talk a little recruiting. National Signing Day coming up on Wednesday, so we might as well talk to, uh, you know, to the master himself and figure out uh, what's going on with this class and uh, some good things, maybe some not-so-good things, and uh, just some things, you know. We need the information. So uh, let's not uh, waste any more time, and let's get right to the interview with Tom. And joining us on the podcast is the recruiting guru over at Irish Illustrated 24-7 Sports, Tom Loy. Tom, buddy, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Hope you're doing well. I am doing fine. I am more concerned about you and your health. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because uh tis the season yeah man it's uh the grind is picked up it really never stops but especially with this uh new and upbeat coaching staff led by marcus freeman man they don't slow down so there's no uh no days off uh that's for sure so um but doing all right man excited for wednesday it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a fun day well we had uh uh, OFD recruiting insider Jack Valor trying to answer some questions <laughs> questions last night. Uh, don't Google Jack Valor; he doesn't exist. Uh, try to try to do my best to answer uh, Jude's questions, but I uh, I promised our listeners I got Loy coming. We'll get some stuff answered. So let's get into it. Uh, CJ Williams, Morian Walker. What can you tell us about their status right now, and, and kind of what you expect uh, come Wednesday or, or even throughout the week? Well, with us recording this right now at noon on on Monday, um, looking at C.J. Williams, there's not there's not a ton of optimism uh, at Notre Dame right now, and it doesn't mean that it's a done deal that he's not going to end up at Notre Dame. It's just you know he just visited USC. There's a USC visit high. Um, he hasn't been to Notre Dame in a while. It's that's tough, man. It's tough to overcome that. There's a lot of things pulling for him to stay out west. Um, you know, it's just it's going to be tough to overcome that. It's a new, exciting coaching staff. Lincoln Riley and those guys have made a made him a priority as soon as they got there. Um, let's be honest, man. Getting C.J. Williams would be a big splash for them, not just nationally, but on the West Coast. I mean, he's a big time prospect, obviously, but he also goes to a high profile school at Modern Day. Um, you're flipping a kid from a rival in Notre Dame, so that's the kind of things. You know, that's what Notre Dame's going against. I know they have a conversation scheduled for Monday night. They're going to get on the phone with him. I know Marcus Freeman, Tommy, Tommy Reese, Del Alexander, they're all going to be involved. Um, it's an important uh, – it's probably a, It's probably the – it's make or break time, really. This is either going to know whether he's sticking or whether he's leaving probably by the end of the night. So we should have a pretty good update on that from that perspective. Um, you know, at this point, all you can do is we'll see what happens. I know Notre Dame is – 
it's going to kind of do what they can to tug at the heartstrings a little bit. Like we've been here since day one. We've been on you. You know, you've been a priority for us. Oklahoma never offered you under Lincoln Riley when he was there. That's the kind of stuff that they're going to kind of battle against. And, you know, we'll see if it hits home. I know he's had some, He's you know, CJ's had really good conversations with the rest of the class, um, the committed guys, and it's all been positive. But again, it's really tough when you're when you're essentially growing up in your dream school is now really pushing hard for you. It's it's I don't know. We'll see what happens. But right now, my gut says he's probably going to end up at USC. But tonight's I'm not going to bet against Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese and has done a phenomenal job so far. Marcus Freeman's going to try to lay out the groundwork and, and show how he's a priority. We'll see what happens tonight. That's going to be the uh, the kind of game changer. On Amarian Walker, you brought him up. Obviously, a longtime Notre Dame commit since back in March. Um, everybody and their mother that's connected to the Michigan sites um, across, I think, every network has been banging the drum that he's going to flip. He's going to flip. Um, I still have said what I've said from the start. Notre Dame does not expect him to flip. He he says all the right things to that staff. Even as of this morning, Monday, 12 o'clock, he is still expected, at least from those inside the Goog, to sign with Notre Dame on Wednesday. Um, that's a positive. Uh, so again, and again, unless, unless he, those around him are just completely misleading the Notre Dame staff, which it's recruiting. You never know what's going to happen. Um, I feel good about it. I think that Walker's going to stick with his commitment, um, to Notre Dame. I know that there's been talk about Mississippi state, Alabama. I really don't think there are factors in this recruitment. I do think, I do think Michigan has been a major player in this recruitment from, from, for the last two months or so, three months or so. But in the end, come Wednesday, I, I, I think, unless something changes, um, I think he's going to end up in Notre Dame. Okay, just so following up on, on both of those guys real quick. Uh, so C.J. Walker, I mean, is uh, are you more confident in – I'm not sure how to word it – with Freeman being there than Kelly? Like is this is this something that really needs like a, an elite recruiter's touch or is this just – or is, is Walker just – is just so wait and see about how he feels, or do you feel that there really can be something said or done on Notre Dame's part to, to help his decision along? <laughs> you, you, so you called him CJ Walker and, I'm, and I'll just answer it on both sides. And <laughs> I wrote it down. Dude, it's crazy. It's been a, it's been a wild cycle with CJ Williams. I think that, I think that Marcus Freeman is absolutely helping things here. Um, I think that, that there's the, the players coach, the relationship, um, I really do believe that it's already stronger and better um, than what his his relationship was with Brian Kelly. I know it's crazy to say that because it goes he, he's had conversations with Kelly going way back and and no question that was a fine relationship. But I do think that CJ knows that the direction of the program is going to continue rising um, under Marcus Freeman and the fact that Tommy Reese is not going anywhere. Um, that's a big deal. So um, I, I, I definitely think that it helps. But really, he knows that like priority number one for him has always been that relationship with Tommy Reese and Dell Alexander. Um, those guys have a phenomenal re- relationship, not only just with CJ himself, but also the family. They've done a great job there. So I do think Freeman helps, no question. But really, it's coming down to um, playing for Reese, playing for Alexander, and then in the end, CJ feeling comfortable with the quarterback position, the future under Tyler Buckner, and uh, you know, knowing that he's going to get opportunities to make plays because he does. And rightfully so, think highly of himself. He's an NFL talent down the road. Um, I just, I personally think that he would be featured 
extremely well at Notre Dame, and I think he would be featured early. So um, they really do think he's one of the best players in the entire country. So no question, they're looking to get him on the field early and often in, in South Bend. So we'll see what happens there. And with Amarian, I really don't think Freeman's uh, too big of a factor here. I think that, um, again, the relationship there is with Reese and Alexander. And as I've said for a very long time, since all the rumors and rumblings about Michigan has, has come around, he is saying all of the right things to the staff. And um, he's always said to me that he's, you know, he's planning on signing with Notre Dame and things are good there, this and that. So again, unless everybody's being misled completely and, and whether it's intentional or not, um, I don't think Notre Dame has too much to worry about when it comes to Walker. That's, I guess that was kind of the thing I, I touched on a little bit last night was it, it, it does, whether it is or it isn't, it does have a feel of the um, Braden McGregor situation where he was saying the right things to both staffs. I mean, right. this is Michigan and, and, and Harbaugh is kind of like twist, like getting the, getting the win, kind of a rub in on, on ND kind of a thing. And look, that's not just a, a rival fans perspective. I mean, that's what happened with McGregor in so many respects. So I just, I, I mean, do you feel that that, that, that could happen or is that just, uh, that's just too far fetched. Dude, it's recruiting. Anything can happen. Um, <laughs> he could, like Amarian could just pick Alabama out of nowhere or Mississippi State out of nowhere. I mean, I'll never, right. I'll never take anything off the table. Um, and and if you talk to my guys over at, at the Michigan site, Sam Webb, Steve Lorenz, all those guys, um, and, and let's be honest. I mean, they're doing a very good job of getting info from the family, from Amarian himself, whatever the case may be, and also listening to what their sources are telling them connected to Michigan. Um, and then on the flip side, I'm doing the same thing when it comes to the Notre Dame side and, and that perspective. So all we can do at this point is kind of share the information that we're given and bring it to you, whether I gather it personally from Amarian's camp or I get it from the Notre Dame staff, whatever the case may be. We're kind of at a situation where we just got to care. We got to give you what we got. And, and right now, Everything that I'm getting is pointing towards him sticking with Notre Dame. And it's sure, no question that it seems that everything Michigan side is getting points towards him flipping to the Wolverines at the last second. Um, I just personally uh, feel great about my connections here, my sources, the uh, the things that I've seen, the things that I've heard, been told. Uh, I really just don't see it. I don't see him flipping. Um, and again, but taking anything off the table, no shot. Anything's possible in recruiting. But yeah, I feel good about Notre Dame's chances, though. So I guess I, I I blame myself because, and I think I've had you on before where I've where I've talked about it where I, uh, <laughs> you know, I miss the old days of the drama before signing day, uh, and people are like, oh no, this is great, this is great. So this year, I think I kind of broke out that monkey paw uh, with all this uh, <laughs> kind of wide receiver drama. I get what I asked for. Um, but Notre Dame's kind of in a pickle, though, because there is so many questions with with Williams and Walker, um, and, and only to buy only to buy whether a top you know one thirty recruit, but uh, they need receivers. So you know, worst case scenario, you know, middle worst case scenario, one of the two here doesn't doesn't go for Notre Dame. Are there other name? I I just don't I don't recall seeing a whole lot of new names out there. Are there some names that we need to be? Uh, need to get to know uh, some backup plans from now to the next signing day in February or, or is all, is it all quiet? So there have been some names throughout the process and even over the last month or two, just the back burner guys that we've written about um, 
for example, like like a Nicholas Anderson, um, the kid that's committed to Oklahoma that, you know, went initially committed to Oregon, chose them over Notre Dame. Notre Dame got back into it. Him and Dell Alexander have been talking a lot lately um, to, you know, nip that one in the bud. I expect him to stick with with Oklahoma. Um, they just landed a commitment from Nick Evers, a quarterback um, out of Texas, a really good player. I think he's going to stick with Oklahoma. Um, I don't see that one working out for Notre Dame, but honestly, behind the scenes, a lot of this has been, um, they, the staff didn't really want names out because they're not really pushing for them like a Wesley Grimes. They're just not, they're not diving in deep because right now they, they feel really good about one commit pretty solid about another and then, you know, in, in Tobias and Amari and, and then hopeful at, at best when it comes to CJ. So, um, in a perfect world, there's no drama. All three end up sticking with their, you know, commitments and, and lock in. But at the same time, I mean, um, no question. There's gotta be a couple names that may not sign until February. They can have in the back burner just to add, um, you know, for example, if they lose CJ, maybe add a third receiver in this class, but, I mean, from talking to guys at Notre Dame, they're not they're not freaking out nearly as much as the fan base is. And I know we could say oh, no. that a million different other things, um, <laughs> that's but but they also know that like the transfer portals out there and they can add um, a Ben Ben Skoranek type player that not only just adds depth, but potentially starter, get some reps, whatever the case may be. There's plenty of names out there that they feel more comfortable as a guy to bring in that's been around the block, been in been in college for a couple of years, graduated, um, that's going to make a better impact or, or have the chance to make a bigger impact than a lower la- lower rated under the radar kid that, that it is an addition to this class. And, and, and I know the transfer portal is not everything. You don't want to go there all the time. But I think at this position with who's potentially coming back next year with the depth chart the way it is. And I know it's not something that's extremely favorable, but Notre Dame is going to be fine at receiver next year. Um, even if they did just add, you know, Tobias and Amarion to the class and they lose CJ, um, the team will take the field. They're going to win a bunch of games next year. Tyler Buckner is going to do well at quarterback. They're going to throw the ball. Well, um, I just think people are getting a little bit too worked up over the fact that they may lose one receiver, uh, than than they should be doing. It's just um, I think they'll be fine. They'll hit the transfer portal, and and all all will be well in the world. So staying on the offensive side of the ball, uh, real quick here, um, Jadarian Price, uh, running back, running back commit. A lot of a lot of Notre Dame fans were pretty disappointed in in the the way things happened with Nick, Nicholas Singleton for obvious reasons. He's probably the best running back in the class, but I think over uh, over Price's senior year. More and more clips have come out, and we've seen the production he's got down there. Uh, Notre Dame fans should be pretty, pretty happy uh, with with getting Price. It, I, I related it to kind of like, uh, yeah, we missed out on Shipley, but we got Diggs and Estime, and that was a pretty good trade-off. Um, but also uh, another weapon on off- offense that I don't think gets talked about enough is Eli Raritan, who also blew up quite a bit uh, his senior year out there in Iowa. Uh, can you talk a little bit about those two guys and, and the importance of this class? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've been banging the drum for the last year and change that that Singleton is the number one back in the country. I, I really think that kid is elite, special. Notre Dame landing him would have been would have been massive, no question about it. But the more I watch Jadarian Price, and I've said this for a while, but and I was kind of I just wanted to see a little bit um, more out of him as a senior, and he has been better than advertised. Um, I know a lot of people like Gavin Sachek. 
coming out of high school as a senior this year and, and, and people were a little disappointed. It didn't work out with him. I would take price without question over Sachek. Um, I think that, I think price is, has difference maker potential. I think he's got the size, the speed, um, the toughness, the mental, um, awareness of who he is as a player and how good he is, but he's also very humble. Um, and just mentally the kid is ready for the college game. Um, he, he has it all. There is no weaknesses to his game. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about his potential. Um, we do our ranking, the commits class or ranking the signees, signees, depending on how we played out at Irish illustrated. Um, I know Tim, Tim, Kevin, and I will all get together and do that. Um, price is going to be pretty high on my list. Uh, I, I, I don't want to just throw it out there top five for sure, but, um, I'm leaning that way. Um, but I will say that somebody that uh, I feel confident will be in my top five is Eli Raritan. I think, um, and again, that this is a guy that I was I was hyping up well before he was. I think he was still a low three star or a mid three star, at least on our site when he uh, when he really burst onto the scene. But this is a kid that when you watch him as a football player, you watch him as a basketball player, you see the freakish athleticism. Um, I think this kid is going to be a difference maker, no question, at the next level. This was a guy that had everybody at Notre Dame extremely fired up. Um, and talking to certain individuals inside the Goog, they had him ranked um, on their board as the number one tight end in the entire country. And this was when we uh, had him as a – I think all services had him as a three-star recruit, which was kind of mind-blowing to me. Um, but they also had the opportunity to really get him in person, watch him up close, watch him work, work out when we were kind of in the – pandemic where we couldn't really see too much or get these guys in, you know, in an opening setting or a, like a Nike camp type situation. But, um, they believe Eli Raritan is going to be, um, a Mackey award winner at some point during his time at Notre Dame. And, um, unless they, you know, do something crazy like they're doing with Michael Mayer, but <laughs> I think, and Brock Powers. I mean, yeah, yeah, also true. So no, they, they are extremely high on Eli Raritan. I am as well. I think he is um, he's that guy that like if if a team is going to one day take a first round pick and, and use it on a tight end, this is that kid because he can do it all. He's, you know, a nasty, aggressive, physical player. I mean, you watch his defensive end clips. Uh, I want to say that he was going against Proctor, um, Caden Proctor, one of the best offensive linemen in the country. And, and he was abusing. Right. I mean, he looked nasty doing it. But also you see the smoothness in the passing game. He looks like a receiver, but he's built like a tight end. He really can do it all. So. Um, just, just two really big wins in, in Raritan and Price for Notre Dame. Yeah, Jude asked me last night who uh, who in this class is going to do the uh, the Kyle Hamilton, Kyron Williams, uh, PC later after three years deal. Uh, and my number one answer was uh, Eli Raritan. I, I, I said he's going to pull the Michael. He's going to pull the Michael Mayer out. I just I, I after seeing the senior year uh, from him and just kind of seeing how all that goes on, just his body style and all that. This yep. guy is a that's an NFL tight end that doesn't need four years of college football. Yep. Uh, defensively, linebacker hall. This is pretty much. I mean, I could you could say the word. This is an elite uh, hall of linebackers for Notre Dame uh, with Jalen Snead, Josh Burnham, Junior Tuahalamaka, and uh, uh, and Nolan Ziegler. Talk a little bit about those four and and I mean really it's you know we love to talk about the two year cycle but Notre Dame's you know, bringing these guys in and, and kind of stacking them up now. And it was at a position just a year and a half ago that was looking empty uh, for the future. And they really were able to, to go in and stack up with some, with some really uh, great talent there. 
Yeah, I know Marcus Freeman, Nick Lazinski, those guys that work with the linebackers day in and day out, they have to be extremely excited about this group. Uh, Jalen Sneed, um, you know, it's it's nice to see things play out the way that, that Notre Dame expected, you know, get on him early. Um, and I know that uh, surprised a lot of people, but when you talk to Jalen, you get to know him, you get to know the people around him, you see why Notre Dame is, is so well thought of both by him and those those around him um, and, and vice versa, why Notre Dame is so excited about him because he's a he's He's not only a great football player, but he's a, a really good person, really good kid to get to know throughout the process. And uh, I mean, not much needs to be said about that kid. He has he's got freakish potential. Um, I don't think he's a, a can't miss player. I'm not going to go as far as saying that. Um, I don't think he's near. But that's the thing. Like, I don't think he's close to hitting his ceiling as a player. I think he's going to, uh, you know, when Matt Bayless gets to him and he just just starts to. Um, just continue to bulk up and add speed and add weight and size. I mean, he is going to turn into an absolute freak show um, in the coming years. So very excited about him. I think one of the safest players in this class is Josh Burnham. Um, so much to like about him. And, and the fact that he's such a good two-way player, um, what he does on the offensive side of the ball just shows, speaks to his athleticism and his just ability to play football at a high level. Such a really good get there. And obviously beating Michigan is a plus there for, for Notre Dame fans. Um, Tui Halamaka is a, is a guy that I don't, I wouldn't say I have concerns about, but I just, because I, I liked what he's done, um, as a senior and just his growth. And there was some question marks after his junior year, which I wasn't overly impressed with, um, or overly thrilled with. I saw some true game footage, not just highlights. And there was a lot of times where he'd be a little out of position. Um, he wouldn't have his aggressive nature and he was just, he kind of looked at times like, a little lost out there, but all of that was, was kind of put to bed as a senior. And I really liked what he, what he did. And, and man, talk about another great kid. Like he is so enjoyable to talk with and spend some time getting to know, um, always says the right things, always, um, he's got a, a great head on his shoulders. So, um, if you're looking for a guy, that's just going to be a, a really solid inside linebacker for Notre Dame. I mean, that's, that's the guy. And then, um, a guy with a ridiculous amount of p- potential is Nolan Ziegler. I don't know how his career is going to play out, um, but every time I see him, he just impresses me more and more. I know when he was first committed, um, a lot of guys were like, oh, this guy's a three star and and he's like that Notre Dame lock and legacy. And everybody was a little bit on the fence about him. But it's funny how, you, how things change um, as you watch him more as a junior and, and then as a senior. And now everybody's really excited about him and they think he's really underrated. So it's kind of funny how things change, but, um, he's rocked up, he's built, he's bigger than I think most people realize, um, or, or thought, thought he was. And, um, I mean, what a, not only an, a great ambassador for the program, for the university. I mean, this guy, when you're looking for future captains down the road, this is the guy he's going to lead by example on the field, but also do things right off the field. Um, very excited about Ziegler and his potential. Um, when you see a kid that is, as that looks like him physically, and you see the fact that he can play linebacker Rover or even safety safety, um, or heck man, you just put him at receiver, watch him make plays. This kid really can do it all. I mean, there's so much athleticism there. Very excited about him at the next level. And, uh, man, what a, what a great kid, but I could honestly say that about every, every kid in his class at Notre Dame. It's a really good group. (laughs) Um, so somebody that isn't in the class, but we, uh, but was at one point, we'd like to get back in the fold. Devin Moore, can you, what can you tell us about the about the current situation with him? Oh man, you guys know how how high I think of him as a player. I mean, uh, a longtime three star. He's now rightfully a four star, both at twenty four seven Sports and the composite ranking. Um, 
I think he's a top 100 kid. I think he's a, a fir- top three round draft pick coming out um, whenever the time comes. Probably a, probably a top two round. I'm just very excited about. It. I mean, and I and I think that way because if he ends up at Notre Dame, I just know um, what Freeman, uh, Mickens, O'Leary all want to do with him and, and how they want to utilize him all over the secondary. Um, and honestly, like speaking of closeness of the staff, there's really nobody closer to him than Chad Bowden, who's been all over him since day one. And and if Moore doesn't pick Notre Dame, that conversation that he would have turning them down, turning down Bowden and, and Freeman and Mickens and O'Leary, that was that's going to be extremely j- difficult because of that relationship. Uh, Florida that Mc- close, huh? Oh, 100 percent, man. I mean, I'll have more on that um, in my backstory piece, especially depending on how things play out. But um, those guys have had some meaningful conversations as of late um, in talking to somebody this morning. I would say that Notre Dame is optimistic about getting more back in the class. Um, but I want to add like more is taking such a calculated, mature approach to this decision. Um, unless I'm being misled here, I don't think he committed to Florida this weekend. Um, and talking to sources on both sides here, Florida and Notre Dame, I don't think he committed. Um, and I think he's, he wants to see if the, the excitement, the high of visiting Florida this weekend is going to wear off or not. Um, and if it kind of like heading into the weekend, he was, he was actually, from what I'm told, leaning Notre Dame and then coming out of the visit, there's a chance he might be leaning Florida, but it's so close that he's going to sit down, talk with both staffs at least one more time and really just kind of gather his thoughts, see what he wants to do. Uh, he knows he's coveted at both. It's kind of like the CJ Williams situation, like more loved Florida early. That was kind of the dream school. Um, it's, it's the in-state school, but when Notre Dame came around and connected with him and his family, it was, it made such a big impact on him and, and, and Marcus Freeman and Mike Mickens and Chad Bowden, they did such a good job that it was, you know, that's why we were so ahead of it and, and felt confident about more ending up at Notre Dame, depending, even though, you know, Stanford, Alabama were making a run at him, uh, Notre Dame just out recruited everybody that was pushing for him. So they kind of have to do that again. They're going to have to have another important conversation. They had one last night. Um, but like I said, I mean, I know that they're, they're optimistic based on last night's conversation, but they're just hoping that, um, they're really more hopeful and they're hoping that the more makes the, the, in their opinion, the right decision coming down to it because they've been on him for so, for so long. And this Florida staff is so new. Um, we'll see what happens, but, um, man, that's, that's, that's the guy. I mean, this is the guy that if he ends up at Notre Dame, he's, he's a top five commit in, in my opinion, in the class difference maker, uh, absolutely love what he does as a player. So, um, very curious myself to see how, you know, what decision he comes to over the next 24 hours. And everyone talks about the, you know, the quote unquote Freeman factor. Have, have you seen a, a big, um, uh, I mean, what, what kind of effect have you seen with Freeman, you know, now uh, one week into the job, uh, basically what, what, what effect have you seen him out on the trail for, for the 2022 class? Well, the, the buzz, the buzz, the hype, it's very real. No question about it. Um, he's, you know, knowing, knowing Marcus, um, as I do and knowing he's the same guy and, and nothing has changed since he's become the head coach. Um, he is, he was very serious about wanting to be the best recruiter on the staff. And that's, and again, not, not, it's not a dig at Brian Kelly. It just wasn't his thing. Um, Marcus Freeman wants that to be his thing. He's very, 
he takes recruiting very serious. He wants to be the best recruiter on the staff. Um, and, and, you know, between him and Tommy Reese, I, I think that there, an argument can be made that one of those guys is the best recruiter in, on the staff. And, um, but the, the buzz is real. Everybody's very excited about the, the future of the program. Um, it's hard to find many schools in college football where, you know, the head coach is going to be there for the next few years, at least, um, for a kid that's signing this year. I don't, I don't think they have any concerns about Marcus Freeman being there their, during their entire duration of college. And that's, that's rare in this day and age. Like I don't right. think Eddie really expected like a Mario Cristobal to bounce that quickly, uh, or even Brian Kelly to just leave towards the end of his career. Um, or Lincoln Riley <laughs> or Lincoln Riley. Very good. And, and that's, that's the thing. Like you don't, you, it's so hard to find. It's so rare. And I do think that say, for example, um, cause I know that there's been at least some rumors, rumblings. I don't know how much merit is to it, but, but Ryan day say he leaves for, the Chicago Bears. Bears. I don't necessarily think like, even if he was offered the job, I don't think Marcus Freeman would leave. I think that he knows how good he has it at Notre Dame. I know what he's building. I know what he's been building since he arrived and what he's been doing and the staff that's there. His family's very happy. They're doing all the right things. And he knows what Notre Dame means to him, his family and the future of the program, all that stuff. I don't think he would necessarily pick, even though he went to Ohio state, I don't think he would pick Ohio state right now. So Again, it's kind of rare in this this business, but um, that's that's a huge selling factor. Look, I'm going to be here for four years plus. You have nothing to worry about. I'll stay here as long as we're winning and I'm not fired. Then then you know we're gonna you know I'll be your head coach and this is the staff that we're going to keep intact. This and that. So, um, but but overall, man, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Marcus Freeman is the real deal. He is an incredible person. Everything he does is very. Um, it's real. It's him. He's not fake. He's not going to be something he's not. And um, the future of Notre Dame football with Freeman leading the way as, as the head coach, but also with Tommy Reese sticking around running the offense and being the head coach essentially on that side of the ball. Dude, the, the future of Notre Dame football is extremely bright, man. It's, it, fans should be very, very excited. One of the things that uh, just feels like it's commonplace is, you know, tight end recruiting, offensive line recruiting for Notre Dame. This offensive line hall, fresh off of the commitment uh, of Billy Shrouth, one of the best in the country. Uh, I, I saw Samson tweet out uh, some of the top 30 offensive linemen halls in the country. Uh, the SEC has eight. Notre Dame has four. The ACC as a total has four. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame is sitting in a pretty good, uh, pretty good spot with their offensive line hall. Uh, just uh, what, are your, what are your feelings about these guys and how they come in? I mean, you know, we still have, we still haven't even seen Rocco Spindler out there very much. Blake Fisher, yeah. you know, for just a wee bit, and then we had Joe Alt kind of, uh, you know, you just all of a sudden shine uh, as a as a true freshman. Uh, what are your feelings about these guys? Who's who's the next uh, Joe Alt, Blake Fisher kind of guy out of this class? Yeah, I mean, no question, Joe Alt is a guy that I I projected as a fir- future first round pick when we were doing the ranking the recruits last year. I think that he's a guy that that is uh, close to in my opinion, can't miss just knowing everything about him. And he's obviously been as advertised, if not, you know, even better as a true freshman, Blake Fisher, everybody's excited about him. Um, it was a real, real bummer, um, to see him go down, but I know he's mentally strong and he's ready. He's he kind of itching to get back on the field. And that's another guy that, that I was talking to some people recently that, that definitely think he's got first round potential at the next level. So, 
Um, just having those two in that last class is pretty amazing. And like you said, we haven't even seen much out of Rocco Spiller yet, Caleb Johnson, et cetera. Uh, both guys that are going to be, you know, strong contributors, if not starters down the road. Um, this cycle, um, I think in the rankings, Billy Shrouth is ranked fourth of the five, uh, at least for the composite rankings. I think Billy Shrouth is the best offensive lineman in this current Notre Dame class ahead of Emil Wagner, Ty Chan, Joey Tanona, and Ashton Craig. Uh, extremely high on Billy Shrouth because he is a two-way guy, an absolute mauler, nasty. He, I'm not calling him Quentin Nelson, but he's got the 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 traits like Quentin Nelson did. Just that violent, nasty. Um, I mean, Shrouth is so fun to watch, even on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I would hate to have to line up against this kid. He is the nicest, soft-spoken. Um, uh, you know. A great kid when you're really just talking to him, but on the field, he's that kid that like the light switch goes on and he's just absolutely violent on every single possession. Um, playing both Love ways it. in high school in the trenches, like that's so hard to do and to have that just to do to do it at such a high level. Um, th- that's where I really learned a lot about Billy Shrouth over his you know time in high school. So I really think he's the best offensive lineman and the most ready in this current Notre Dame class. I'm extremely excited about Ty Chan. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a tackle or a guard, but either way, he's just a kid that's going to be um, – he's got a high floor, so he's just a safe kid to be a really good player. Emil Wagner is extremely intriguing, um, not having a chance to see him in person um, beyond like the you know walking out and getting some photos or whatever the game, but to see him stacked up against other guys – um, watching or seeing him against next to the commits this, this past weekend when they had the photo shoot, um, that kid is way more impressive physically, like in uniform, um, than I expected. I know he says, he told me ahead of the weekend that he's weighing in around 260, 265. Um, that is the biggest looking 260, 265 kid. That <laughs> I mean, he's all of six. He is all of six, six. Um, I weigh 65. <laughs> Are you? I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm only six one, but I weigh two sixty five. <laughs> I mean, he he really does look impressive. Um, yeah, basically, I was like, I think he's Notre Dame's version of Josh Voles, but um, yeah, yeah, well, I, hey, he's from Ohio. Right. Nailed it. You guys are basically the same people. Um, but but seriously, like Wagner, Wagner is a great looking kid. And he, you know how easy it's going to add for that or how easy it's going to be for him to add, you know, 20, 30 pounds in a year or two's time. Right. And, and no question, man. But um, and you look at the other guys, I mean, talking to my colleagues like Steve Wolfung, the other guys, they feel really good about Joey Tonona, Ashton Craig. Um, there really is no better, in my opinion, offensive line class in this entire country. This cycle, what a great job. I know people want to take their shots at Jeff Quinn for one reason or another, but what he's done both on the recruiting trail, but also with the team and kind of uh, patchworking everything with the offensive line to make them, um, you know, really strong and playing their best at the season at season's end. Um, I'm not expecting him back next year, but, um, you know, people need to be a little bit more appreciative of him because he's done a really good job of, of keeping things together and building this unit to be really good for the future under, uh, Marcus Freeman. Yeah, I can't agree more. It's, uh, it was, it it was kind of a tough situation for him to get two different true freshmen ready at left tackle was uh, pretty incredible. So real quick here, a couple of big names popped to the transfer portal today, uh, quarterbacks, Bo Nix from Auburn and Keaton Slovis from USC, not say that Notre Dame should or will go out after either at all. But what is what does that kind of say to you? I mean, Bo Nix, three year starter at Auburn, Keaton Slovis, pretty entrenched there uh, as a starter. Uh, you know, so 
these guys, these guys are bolting. Any, any thoughts on that? I mean, it's pretty wild. Like the, the, the Bo Nix thing, I didn't necessarily expect, but, um, the Slovis one I did because of the, you know, people were talking about him being the next big thing at the NFL. And I just, I didn't buy it. I didn't get it. I didn't see it. Um, at least not, not yet. I mean, Slovis could go somewhere, really shine and then kind of get back to where he was before. But people were, I mean, head of the season, people were calling him like the number one overall pick. And I just, I never bought it. And then things kind of, you know, but he dealt with some injuries this year, but the future is it's Jackson dart. And that's, that doesn't surprise me for USC. And there's, um, and actually, I think as we were talking about this, Zach Zach Calzada from A and M entered the transfer portal. Um, oh, again, hey, that's an, an old Notre Dame name. Another big right, right, another big name. So I don't I don't really know how it's going to play out for Notre Dame. I do know that Tyler Buckner, at least from what I'm told, because we haven't seen a big sample size, it's been pretty limited this year. Um, he's the real deal. Everybody at Notre Dame, like there are no question marks because of the fact that what they've seen him under a lot of reps in practice. And I've seen some footage that hasn't been necessarily, uh, you know, public consumption. Um, I've seen some practice <laughs> footage that, that kind of blew me away a little bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm completely content. I'm excited about Tyler Buckner. I'm not backing off my stance that I think he's going to be no question the guy next year. I'm, I, you know, I think if Notre Dame fans saw what I saw, um, there's a guy that this kid, this kid mentally as strong as anybody, as competitive as anybody. Um, he, he feels like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, his class. And, and he is so ready for this moment. Um, he is not like your normal underclassman. I mean, he's ready to be the guy next year. He's, you know, chomping at the bit and the Notre Dame fans that are a little down on him because they've seen a small sample of him throwing the ball, you, you know, he's coming in and he's trying to make a play every time he's out there. There's no wiggle room. Like he doesn't have time to you know, all right, you went three and out. Don't worry, we're going to stick with you on the next drive. That just hasn't been how it's played out. Jack Cohn right. has been the starting quarterback. He's a veteran, and he was key to Notre Dame's um, one-loss season this year. He was Jack Cohn was terrific all year long. Um, so, like, I just don't understand why people are so down on Tyler other than, like, you know, give him a chance. Let him be the starter for a game and then see what happens. When he gets a full week of practice, he's the guy. There's nobody – you know, he's not looking over his shoulder. He doesn't feel like he's going to get yanked at any time. So, no, I don't think they should hit the portal for a guy. I think that they could, you know, if they want to add somebody that is really a quality number two, number three behind Drew Pine or a number two to compete for that number two spot, but they're they're not going to find somebody that is going to excite them like Tyler Buckner does. So I, I wouldn't dip into the portal, to be completely honest. I think they need to be content with what they have um, beyond potentially adding a guy that's going to be a surefire number two or three. Um, but no question, Tyler Buckner is going to be the guy for Notre Dame. And, and, uh, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people, um, in Columbus next year. Excellent. And one, one last one from, from me here, Tom, take me through Wednesday. What, what are you, what are you up to Wednesday? What's up? What time are you getting up? What what you eating? Uh, who's your food's phone call? What, what's going on Wednesday? Getting up would imply that I'm sleeping. So <laughs> no, it, it's, uh, no, it, it, I'll get up, I'll get up early. I always do. I'll probably hit like, you know, 5 a.m. Uh, alarm, get up. I'll have a lot of stuff ready ahead of time. So it's not going to get too crazy. Um, I'm hoping to really know exactly how things are going to play out with the CJ Williams, you know, uh, you know, Amarian Walker, Devin Moore. I'm hoping to have all that, you know, played out behind the scenes to know what, what they're going to do. 
come signing day. You know, the same with like an Anthony Lucas, um, just to know. I don't expect Notre Dame to land him. I think they've done a really good job there. Um, Mike Elko leaving A&M made things a little intriguing. No question about that. And Marcus Freeman and Mike Elston have done a really good job there. So, again, but that's just another another guy that I want to know what's happening before it actually before Wednesday hits. But um, no, I'll definitely be touching base with some sources that morning early. Uh, I'll be I'm, I think we're welcome at the Goog that day um, for some stuff. I'll have to look at the uh, the email there. But um, no, it'll be it'll be pretty business as usual. We'll have a bunch of stuff for at irishillustrated.com on the on the signees and um, potential additions. Um, we'll have that all that leading up to it, but it'll be a busy day as always. We'll have interviews with Marcus Freeman, and I think Mike Elston is going to talk that day as well. So um, it's but but that's that's how it works, man. It's business as usual. I'm not expecting too many fireworks, but you never know, man. It's recruiting, so anything could happen. Um, I'm right, just not right. expecting like that that Noah Boykin situation where it's like, all right, Notre Dame's out for this kid. Just kidding. He's decided to change his mind, and now he's back in. So um, it'll be interesting. But like I said, come Tuesday, I really hope Tuesday night I have everything played out. I know exactly where it's gonna where it's gonna go, and um, with at least a couple guys that we've mentioned so far. All right, great. Well, hey Tom, thank you so much, and everyone, you can catch him over at Irish Illustrated, and uh, Tim Priester will appreciate me saying this. Uh, go ahead and get to sign up for <laughs> for the for the premium uh, subscription. Uh, where Tom's got uh, daily updates. He's got message board posters hounded him for info every 10 minutes. Uh, and he's, he does the best he can to, to get it over there. Uh, also follow Tom on over on Twitter at Tom Lloyd 24 seven. And that's it, bud. It's a, a, here comes the week and uh, let's get through it. Can't wait. Thanks again, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks Tom. All right, y'all that would, uh, that was it. So Thanks again to Tom Loy for uh, for coming on the show and answering all my questions. Uh, hopefully that uh, you know that helps everybody out with the information that you're you're trying to get into uh, before signing day. Um, there's there's some good things, some middle things, some bad things. I got uh, on my notes here: smiley faces uh, up, down. Uh, <laughs> I'm using emojis as my notes uh, next to names, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but. Look, National Signing Day, Wednesday. Uh, we will be here on One Foot Down, uh, covering it as best we can. Um, check us out on Twitter, at One Foot Down. Uh, and, of course, on the site, we'll be tracking them as the – as the. I know they're not faxes anymore, but I still like calling them the faxes as they roll in. Uh, and, and that's it. So uh, thanks for listening, and as always, go Irish. <laughs>